Well, thank you for watching and or listening to The Best Barbecue Show. I'm here at the Certified Angus Beef Conference. Uh, to my right is Sarah Scott, uh, Clint Wallencheck, and David O'Dime. Uh, if you all would like to introduce yourselves, just tell us a little bit about what you do and, uh, and your position at Certified Angus Beef. Sure. Well, thanks for having us. Um, my role at Certified Angus Beef is the Vice President of Food Service. I've been with the organization for 12 years now, um, served in a couple different roles, but really I have a passion in me for just high quality beef starting at a young age with growing up on a cattle ranch in Northern California. And so it's pretty cool to be here today and talk about that passion as a part of my um, working career. So cool. thanks for having us. Yeah, Clint? Yeah, uh, again, thanks for having us. Uh, Clint Wallencheck and uh, work with our packing company. So uh, that's kind of where the process starts to uh, produce the brand is uh, uh, identifying those cattle at the packing plant, working with USDA and, uh, and then getting it on down the, the supply chain and into market. So uh, a lot of communication with uh, both our sales team and then our packing partners. Uh, my, my background is meat science, so I've adapted that just a little bit to uh, uh, deal with the market just a little bit more, the economic side of it as well. And David? Yeah, uh, similar uh, background here to uh, both Sarah and Clint in regards to coming back from an ag background, but uh, I'm our vice president of retail and have been with the brand for about 11 years now. Um, actually get to work with our retail partners across the, across the country and certainly help them and with respect to trends and different uh, merchandising ideas and so forth. Um, again, my background is, is similar to the folks here in regards to an ag background. and. Uh, uh, fortunate to, to work in an industry that a lot of passion in and, and just like Clint actually come with a, a meat science degree and actually uh, Clint was the unfortunate soul that hired me once upon a time so uh, um, I guess I'm lucky to still be here. <laughs> well and, and and speaking of you know there's a huge demand for good beef right now uh, can you all speak to kind of what you're seeing in the market and what you're seeing at the Packers and all that? Clint that's probably best for you. Yeah, either way, uh, you're absolutely right. Um, you know, we've had uh, tremendous, tremendous growth for a number of years um, at really every channel, no matter if it's the, the team Sarah's working with on food service, David on retail, or even the international channel. Um, you know, at every corner, the demand for, for not just beef, but specifically premium beef uh, has really excelled. Um, you know, here in the last uh, 12 to 24 months, we've seen uh, specifically our, our prime brand extension really explode um, and that's uh, fortunate enough to have that product becoming available as, as the cattlemen are out there you know choosing the right genetics and things along those lines that, uh, that make that an option to turn to uh, in the first place and so it's been really exciting over the last year or so to see that pent-up demand start to reveal itself and um, I think uh, most of us on the team would agree that we've really only scratch the surface as far as what the potential ultimately is there. Yeah, and to just add in on that, when it comes to the restaurant sector in particular, um, 
quality and de the demand for high quality has certainly increased. You know, we see challenges in the restaurant industry today from a traffic standpoint, but we've seen in our sales at food service continue to increase and in having record years, 10 consecutive years of growth within the food service division in particular. And so we really see that message that the consumer expects and the guest expects a high quality eating experience, which gets us pretty excited here at Certified Eating Speed. Well, and, and can you say more to that? Just are you seeing steaks? Are you seeing all kinds of cuts? What are you seeing going into these restaurants? Really seeing things across the board. I mean, chefs certainly want to continue to be innovative, whether that's in just a different way to prepare the cut or a little bit different fabrication technique. Um, but seeing, of course, our traditional steak items are um, continue to grow within the barbecue world. Um, you know. The briskets and high quality briskets, specific in certified Angus beef brand prime, continues to be one of our most sought after items. So yeah, it's, it's across the board um, with multiple cuts. Yeah, and uh, I know I know for a fact, at least the, some of the guys I've interviewed all put together, they're, they're cooking thousands of prime briskets every week. So that's a huge demand. And as you all know, there's only two briskets per cow. So it, it takes a lot. Uh, now, can Clint, can you talk more about, uh, I was talking to Margaret about this last night, that uh, there's, uh, there's, there's more to the packing process when you have a certified product uh, than, just, um, than just throwing a package on it, slaughtering it. They actually do a shift change. Can you, can you talk more about that whole process? Yeah, sure. That's, uh, that's actually one of our common questions, for, especially for folks that have not had the, uh, the opportunity to go visit a packing plant. Um, and they hear numbers, you know, a facility that may process as many as 5,000 per day. And, um, you know, to, to somebody who's never been exposed to that, it's definitely organized chaos. Um, but, you know, for the most part, it, uh, it, it's a pretty, pretty simple, uh, simple steps that are involved. But once they get those animals processed, um, first thing is to identify those that have an A-stamp or the Angus and Angus Cross animals, predominantly solid black. Um, once those uh, carcasses have been chilled down and so forth, then they're presented to USDA, and that's the independent third party we rely upon for the certification process to go through those 10 carcass specifications and, uh, and verify that, uh, that a carcass did in fact meet all of them. So when you go through the average plant, uh, the, the, the certified Angus beef brand, probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 20% of all their cattle would be eligible. We see variation from plant to plant, you know, especially different regions from north to south and so forth. Um, but once those cattle are, uh, are uh, uh, certified, they actually go through that process, USDA has done their evaluation, the plant sorts all of the certified Angus beef carcasses separate. And they do the same thing for prime and for select and choice and so on. Uh, and then when the fabrication floor is ready to process CAB, and that's typically done by scheduling based on what their sales have been, what their sales team's been able to uh, uh, have orders placed on, um, then they'll put those, those specifically those sort of fedding as beef carcasses onto the fab floor. Um, keep in mind too, these plants in many cases are operating somewhere in the neighborhood of about 350 head per hour. And so, uh, so they, can, they can run through them pretty rapidly. Uh, the grade breaks are the unique ones. So you think about, uh, let's say, 12 to 1,500 personnel that may be committed to the fabrication room. And so you have to stop for a moment to let product clear off the floor before you can bring a different grade onto the floor. So think about having, say, 1,200 people standing around waiting for this product to clear off. Uh, they want to make sure that they're doing that as quickly and as efficiently as they possibly can. 
Um, so it is pretty amazing to watch that, that whatever the other product is clear off the floor and get packaged and then the certified Angus beef product enter and begin to uh, come in. Um, as a standard uh, practice, there's some subtle variations from plant to plant, but all the product would, would be placed in a vacuum packaged bag uh, that would have the logo and the brand name printed directly on the bag. Um, on certain occasions, they may use a sticker instead of a logo, but it's, it's going to have that brand on the package. And then once it's placed in its master case, it's going to have the brand on the box end label as well. And so uh, those are the two primary ways, and you can take out the back of a restaurant, one of the first things that's often done is they take that box, open it up, and they unpack all of the meat into the cooler and throw the box away. So it's important for us to have both the box and, and the vacuum packaging labeled. Uh, and so when people, I know there's a shift change, I know there's a chain break, it's a, it's, it's a huge demand for beef right now, so every moment that they're not doing something that's money lost right that could be thousands of dollars a minute sure absolutely yeah no it's uh, it truly is amazing to see how quickly and efficiently they can do that and keep in mind they're doing this all under the supervision of usda uh that's uh, looking over their shoulder to make sure that uh, you know we're basically not having a, uh, a mix-up and getting choice product in the certified angus beef box or select product I'm not going to try and say that it never happens, but uh, to think about the few times that it does happen uh, is very, very rare, and uh, is definitely the exception to the rule. And and y'all lock up the the stickers and all the packaging, mm -hmm. or I, I know that there's a there's a certain protection to the brand. Is that correct? Yeah, I don't know that they've got the the, the vault and everything back in the back, but uh, but they do manage those. The supervisors on the floor would absolutely manage. Uh, the the labels and so forth, uh, and only have those you know in use at the appropriate times. Well, and there is, uh, I mean, I, I don't hear a lot about it, but I'm sure there there are people that might try to pass off other things as certified Angus beef. Do you catch any culprits every once in a while? You see that much? Sarah, you want to speak to that? We do see that from time to time. We've got an entire. Uh, department that focuses on tracking the brand from packing plant all the way through the various licensed channels. Um, so we've got our distributor network that really works to help us with looking at pictures of menus because um, menus tell the story and whether the brand's being promoted on those menus or looking at maybe even unlicensed distributor channels promoting a brand, the brand or something very similar to certified Angus beef that would be an infringement on our trademark because it's confusing. So we've got a team that tracks all of that. And you know, sometimes it really is just an innocent mistake by somebody that didn't know on a, on a menu. Other times, pretty rarely, it is something a little more malicious than that. But you know, we're, we protect that brand, that's what we own, that's what our, where our value comes <coughs> from, so it certainly is important. And I know that y'all do a lot for, you know, I've been watching these amazing videos that are produced for the ranchers. Uh, it, it's great to see. I mean, I saw a woman wipe a tear away mm -hmm. earlier because she was so moved by video that y'all took of her own farm. Uh, I've also heard that you do a lot to help the restaurants with designing menus and 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 using the logo and things like that. Is that uh, is that is that a lot of what you do? I mean, what what are the kinds of things that that Certified Angus Beef brings besides great beef to a restaurant when when they partner with y'all? Certainly, um, of course. You know, we are first goal is for those restaurants to fall in love with the product. Um, we want them to utilize the product for a minimum of 90 days. That gets that comfort level and any sort of 
um, things within the price cycle or ups and downs, just you know, make sure that they're really committed in that product. Um, and then within those restaurants that we do look to partner with and make that step forward, we kind of have a wide breadth of offerings. So as a not-for-profit organization, how we really approach every marketing material is it needs to have four to five times amount of return on investment to be worth our efforts there. So we might take um, a product photo and the idea is we're not going to come take your individualized product photography per se, but you can use our product photography to promote the brand within your restaurant. Um, so kind of have a pretty wide breadth of offerings that a restaurant can certainly tailor and customize to fit their individual needs. Um, it works really well uh, for those restaurants that maybe need that added in marketing support and a lot of those independently owned restaurants that wear a lot of hats. But first and foremost, you know, the product, um, we want that, that love and that passion for that quality leading the charge. Well, and, and a good, I know from barbecue, a good brisket can, can cut an hour or two off your cook because that fat's rendering nicer. It, it, it's just, it, it's more, uh, it just softens up a little easier, and I know that uh, it's to the point where a lot of guys have tried Wagyu, but it almost cooks too fast. It almost falls apart a little too easily. It's not really as conducive to, to something like that. Uh, now, Clint and David, do you all work in similar areas, or are you kind of in different parts of the country? Uh, with the Packers? Well, between the two of us, we would really cover the whole country wow. uh, for our respective responsibilities and so forth. Um, we do have packing plants that uh, are truly coast to coast, all the way from uh, uh, eastern Pennsylvania and uh, uh, on uh, over to California. Primarily, most of them are clustered in the center, the center part of the state: Kansas, and Kansas, Nebraska, Texas, Iowa, um, where a lot of the cattle are located. But uh, but we do have several regional packers as well. And the packers can be? Do they are there ones that do a few dozen, or are most of them doing hundreds a day? Uh, really, it's, it runs the entire range. Really? Um, we have a, a partner that is uh, just a short distance away from our office there in Worcester, Ohio. Um, does a great job, kind of an old school packer. Um, they process about 30 cattle per day. Um, but one of the huge benefits that we have um, uh, with that particular partner is that they do whole carcasses, deliver whole carcasses. So with our culinary center there in Worcester, Ohio, which we bring thousands of people a year through there, um, it uh, it really uh, there's a fly flying around us, <laughs> um, but <laughs> but, uh, um, but it's a it's a great opportunity to to have access to those carcasses for the culinary center because you know a lot of people can't load up and take a, a two day trip out to Kansas or Texas and go through a plant with us and so they can still get um, you know what a carcass looks like and then more importantly they can get their hands on a knife and, and help break a carcass down. And see firsthand where some of these cuts come from, and some nice. things like that. So that's uh, that's Bob on the small side, and then uh, as I mentioned earlier, you know some of our larger plants would be in that 5,000 head per day range. Um, that uh, uh, you know is you could argue some of the heavy lifting that uh, <laughs> that uh, that can really cover volumes. Because then when you shift to to David's side of the business on the retail side, you know we have some tremendous retail partners that, gosh, David on the big end. Could be as many as uh, 15, 20 loads of product. When you think about that, uh, that front page ad that comes out on Monday morning in the newspaper, um, uh, the retail folks can really move the tonnage. I think that's really a lot of the um, advantages the brand offers is truly the versatility. 
you know, we can be as small as a 25 head a day type of guy that uh, can do lots of different things, be pretty agile from that perspective. Uh, but we can also be as big as you like, and so you know, a number of our, our larger partners, you know, the the Myers, the Giant Eagles, the Shoprites, etc., uh, that have a multitude of stores, so several hundred in most instances, um, they're able to utilize this product in a pretty big way. It takes quite a bit of cattle. You know, if you're only taking the top tier of those uh, those plants uh, offerings. Uh, it takes a number of cattle to kind of get to that point, and so um, they're able to not only have enough supply, but also then able to, to basically pit one against the other and, and uh, work to, to ascertain the best price to offer that to the customer ultimately at a, at a great price and, and certainly then a great product as well. I think just one point I'll throw in there that's I think important for the audience to hear as well is uh, you know we have right out about 30 plants total, and so when you think about all the different facilities and at the end of the day the brand is about consistency um, and so uh, when we have that much product flowing through so many different plants we do have the same USDA personnel that have all been trained the same to identify the, car the cattle that qualify uh, and there are subtle differences between workmanship say trim specs and some different things from plant to plant um, but ultimately the product and the performance of that product should be comparable from plant to plant to plant. So that's pretty unique to be able to pull from so many different locations but end up with uh, the same level of performance. I think with that in mind though also, you know, you do, sometimes there's a, a little bit of a, a stigma of, you know, well I don't want anything from a southern plant, a southern plant's going to have poor quality. And I'd say on the, on the whole, they're absolutely right. They're going to have, as it, you know, the averages go, we're going to have probably a lower average uh, acceptance rate versus that of some of their northern counterparts. But that said, the, whether it's coming from a Texas plant or whether it's coming from a northern plant, those specs don't change, and so therefore that quality of product don't doesn't change either. There's just ultimately a little bit less of it relative to the, the northern plants there as well. Jump in here real quick. When it comes to the different plant sizes and large versus small, I know in the restaurant world we hear a lot about smaller being more appealing and more attractive to restaurateurs. And one thing that you know certainly makes Certified Angus Beef <coughs> brand unique is you know that it's made up of ranchers and farming families from coast to coast, small family farms. Whether you're purchasing from a big packing plant or a small plant, those dollars are really going back to those families that are raising this product day in and day out. Well, and that's the that's the opportunity that we have being here is, I mean, you get to you get to see these people all the time, but it, it's great that two days ago I sat down with ranchers, uh, I sat down with Dr. Place, who's a, a doctor of large animals, and just knows so much about genetics and all these things. Y'all really span the gamut of, of what beef is. Now, uh, on the retail end, I'm always curious because we, we have had all kinds of beef, but one of the things we did was that, uh, what was it called, a taste? The taste where, drive. The taste drive. Yeah. And that was really interesting. Are, are there, are you seeing a lot of people, you know, in Texas, we're, we're buying mostly raw stuff, but I do see some of those um, you know, corned beef and all these things that are kind of pre-cooked, pre-packaged, but they're all certified Angus. Uh, is that, are, are there different trends throughout the country? Are you seeing more in a certain area? Yeah. So at the end of the day, I mean, I think uh, the audience can probably attest to this as much as anything. For whatever reason, we don't have more time on our hands. You know, <laughs> I know Sarah's got a couple young ones, Clint, myself. Uh, we continue to find ourselves just pulled in more directions now than, than ever before. And so uh, really that, uh, that concept of dinner around the, the kitchen table every single night at, at 530 is, is one that becomes a challenge. 
And so I think as you look at some of the value-added products that, that we have to offer and that certainly parallel very nicely with our, our, our traditional fresh product, um, you know, it's all about offering that customer a meal solution, not just a, a great product, but a solution to ultimately alleviate some of those challenges. As we look in those different categories, our value-added team really strives to make certain that whatever that category might be, whether it's frankfurters to shave steak to marinated products, you name it, that we are the best in that category, that we are certainly setting that mark from a standpoint of quality. And, and that's really, I, I think you probably got an opportunity to go down through there and- um, I ate everything. Yeah, amazing. there wasn't too many <laughs> items that uh, weren't pretty delicious. So, uh, so uh, I, go ahead. I know your audience has a, uh, an affinity on the brisket side of things and all things smoked meat. So honest opinion, did you try the burn-ins? Uh, the burn-ins were good. Um, some of the briskets were, they weren't bad, but obviously the fresh, you know, Texas barbecue is going to be the best. But the corned beef I was really impressed with and the prime, uh, the prime rib, some of those slices, I, I actually took a slow-mo that you can see on my Instagram. Uh, but some of those prime, I mean, that was like a fresh steak. I was super impressed. And I mean, the even the frankfurters and the sausages, yeah. they, were, they were just super delicious. You know, it wasn't that you know, people normally see a hot dog, it's kind of this kind of bland, kind of salty. Everything there had a, a great taste. They had the schmaken, the, the beef bacon, which was amazing. I need to get my hands on some of that. I, I was asking them, and I'm not sure if I can get it in Texas, but I'm sure I can find it somewhere. And that, I want to make all kinds of stuff with that. It, it's a beautiful product. Yeah, it was kind of funny. I was talking to one retailer, and they're like, you know, we're, we're always used to taking tenderloins and wrapping them in bacon. Maybe we should take schmaken and wrap us. Yeah, that's a great idea. And then course somebody came up with the idea well what if we took beef bacon and wrapped it around a pork tenderloin <laughs> and really upset the apple guard so there you go. we're gonna see uh, how that performs but but I, your original question there relative to some of the trends we've seen and I think you know especially at retail I mean what happens at retail is typically a trend that has taken place at food service maybe five six years prior and so really food service is kind of setting the setting the pathway if you will that our retailers certainly continue to strive to, to make those things available and, and what we've seen take place at, at food service here over the past few years is definitely the the advent of the gourmet burger um, the Five Guys, uh, the Shake Shack, you yeah. name it, um, and certainly on our the end, Smash Burger. The Smash Burger, I was just <laughs> didn't miss a beat there. So Smash Burger, Mouyals, there's just a ton of really high-end operators on the you know these uh, gourmet patties, and what's really made them. Uh, even better as you start thinking about um, you know on a scientific level you talk about the brisket the different fats that are available there and just how that really affects palatability well we've seen that take place with even on the re on the uh, retail side with the, the Schweiden Sons and, and Wahlburgers program that are really utilizing specific primals brisket blends chuck blends you know loin tails all those different programs that you can see at some of those really high-end burger shacks such as our good friends there at, uh, at Mui House, but um, being able to make that available for our uh, end users at, re at retail level as well. And is that coming already made into patties, or is yep. it? So that being a, a really nice package that actually has a sleeve around it. So uh, the Schweiden Sons has got a couple of different brands, or a couple of different programs rather, Chuck Blend, and I believe they got they call it the One Percenter. It's the uh, the Prime Burger, which you know, as cattle continue to grade, we may have to reevaluate that. But nonetheless, uh, that's a great program. And then also with the Wahlburgers, is again is a, a map package, a modified atmospheric package that has that sleeve there around it as well. And are you, do you have a general sense of, I, I just happen to live in Texas where HEB uh, sells 
I think the most beef is sold in like two or three of the HEBs near me. So the, the raw the raw beef is like most of the shelf. But there is definitely a large section of these products. Uh, are you seeing those products dominate a little bit more in other states or are they kind of they kind of split up everywhere? Yeah, I'd say fresh is still king by, by a long shot. Um, you know, I think whether you're in Texas, Ohio, California, you know, fresh is still king. Uh, again, but we all know, you know, you've got seven nights a week, seven nights worth of dinner. You know, there's only going to be a few of those that ultimately you can really sit down and prepare a meal, and that's where some of these other products really offer some opportunities. A new one actually is just starting to kind of gain some traction is they call it the beef tisserie. It's an item that's actually trying to displace the, um, you know, everybody's got the, the chicken rotisserie out there in front. Uh, this is actually a tri-tip that would be doing that as well. Really great product that offers a, a great meal solution that's a, a grab-and-go tradition. And so it's, um, you know, the case space, I'd say, by and large, is maintaining, but just those items are just becoming that much more functional and, frankly, that higher quality, which makes it a little more attractive for that customer. Now, Sarah, are you seeing, as far as on the, the food service end, are you seeing a lot of ground beef? Or, you know, the, the burger world, at least in, in Austin, is insane. I mean, there's a new burger joint. There's people. Uh, there's, a, there's a local brand called P. Terry's, which is kind of like an in-and-out burger. Uh, and the demand for fresh quality ground beef is big. Are you seeing more steaks, or are you just kind of <coughs> seeing everything? We certainly um, continue to see a demand for high-quality grinds and a high-quality burger patty. Um, I think we had the big run-ups in food service maybe over the past few years, and it's kind of slowed off just a little bit as you've seen that trend, you know, kind of sim somewhat plateau. But um, certainly a demand for a high-quality burger. I think it's just becoming more and more of a restaurateur and a guest expectation for, for quality overall, whether it's a burger, a, a brisket, or sitting down for, for a steak, right? The expectation is it's going to be a tender, juicy, flavorful eating experience, um, which is pretty exciting for certified Angus beef. Um, so I think was um, continuously growth there, but I, I don't know that it's outshining as it maybe once was a few years ago. And I've also been reading things that say, you know, 80% of people under 35 are eating all their meals uh, out. Uh, it just seems like the trend, at least for people younger than me, uh, are, are eating a lot of meals at restaurants or going out. They're getting it delivered with Grubhub or Uber Eats or the thousand other delivery services. Is that, are you seeing that on your end as well? Yes, definitely seeing that uh, more from the standpoint is there's just a lot of options. Uh, there's a lot of options in the type of restaurant you want to go to, right? You're not going to the same place and just ordering the burger if you want a great burger. You're going to the great burger restaurant, right? And so you're going to those restaurants that are known for those flagship items or you're having those items delivered. Um, that certainly continues to be a topic of discussion within our restaurant audience of delivery in general and, you know, that whole steak eating experience um it, you know it's not an easy one to put in a to-go box to have somebody else bring to your front door um but you know i think we've got some pretty innovative restaurants out there that are really starting to tackle that and having you know, just more and more discussions but there's just there's just so many options anymore that it's just becoming um that much more segmented which is exciting and then i guess back to you know david's comments about the grab-and-go items at retail starting to see a little bit of that even at restaurants of having fresh meat in some sort of case just to continue to be a little more diversified of you could have you know these great steaks that you order in our restaurant you know we'll sell them to you and teach you how to cook them too so it 
you know, it's a it's a mix. It makes it fun to work with David and Clint because we're having more and more crossover of conversations as the consumer is just demanding more and more choices and options and how they go to eat. And Clint, uh, there's a lot of brisket coming to Texas, and there is always a, a challenge of getting a consistent size. Maybe uh, the packers are cutting off a little too much fat or not enough or what's the challenges to creating a consistent brisket product because that's that's probably one of the biggest complaints I get from people is um, is is it's not like they're impossible you can still cook them and all that but they are sometimes trimming a little too much or every once in a while there's a slash or something so when when you're doing that kind of volume uh, how are the packers doing quality control Well, it's, uh, it's one that, uh, you know, absolutely a common question. Um, you know, a lot of it, the, the questions originate from thinking that uh, carcass size, animal size, is one of the biggest variables that, uh, that drives some of those differences that you see. But the reality is that there's probably more of a, uh, a workmanship component to it than, than anything else. Um, you know, when, when you sit and you watch the, the techniques that are used to remove the brisket from the carcass, um, again, every plant may do it just a little bit differently. And then you layer in the fact that most of these plants are uh, two shifts. And you may have two or three or four people on each shift that are responsible for that particular, uh, that particular job. And so you can have some subtle variations. Again, even, even within the, let's say, the same company that operates two different plants, you can have some differences in their brisket from plant number one versus plant number two. And so, uh, uh, without a doubt, I think as, as, as the popularity of brisket, the popularity of barbecue, using these briskets and things like David was touching on with ground beef, just overall, you know, uh, brisket star is on the rise across the board for a number of different reasons. And so, um, it's a little bit of a, mind, uh, a mindset change uh, from the production standpoint, too, of you know, this is no longer that, uh, I'm going to say, uh, dog item that only a few people care about. It is, it is on the main stage now. And so I think that causes everybody to elevate their game a little bit. Uh, the other component of it, too, is as, uh, as the packing companies sit back and they look at the options for their brisket. And, and now let's assume the workmanship is decent, but it's more of a sizing issue. That's the other common question is, is uh, uh, you know, I, I, I need to get all the briskets coming in my box to weigh you know 12 pounds or 15 pounds and, and there's this mix of people some people like the really big ones some people like the really small ones yeah. um, but nobody likes to get a big one and a small one at the same time especially when they're trying to run the smokers and set the clock and manage those things as tightly as they can um, and so there are some opportunities there where, where uh, packers do sort based on size um, obviously there'll be some premiums involved with that uh, and the other, one of the big reasons for it is because there is a customer base as well that uh, really doesn't care on the size. And so as long as the packer has that customer base that uh, they, can, they can sell product to without going through the extra efforts of sorting as well, it makes it that much more challenging for those that do want them sorted to get it the way they want. Um, but like I said, I think the, I think the industry is, is definitely every day becoming more aware of, of what all is entailed there and the importance of it. The opportunity to not just make a customer happy, but probably make a, an extra dollar in the process. Sure. Um, just takes a little time to evolve that direction. Well, and I'll be honest, uh, I, 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 I threw a hard one at you because I knew you'd have an answer. But there are a lot of, 
of restaurants that are switching to cab certified Angus beef because there is more consistency and a lot of the slashing, a lot of the, the rough stuff is coming from uh, not necessarily a lower grade, but something that isn't certified. So that's credit to your your brand that you know there's thousands of those certified Angus beef briskets uh, running through Texas and they're doing a real good job. I'll tell you, I, uh, it was my first trips down to uh, say the hill country there, yeah, uh, kind of the Austin San Antonio area and so forth. It was a real eye opener to see. Uh, just how serious everyone takes their brisket. You know, I've heard the stories and everything, but to see it firsthand, uh, again, was a, was a true eye-opener. And, and, and even myself gave me a new appreciation for what we're dealing with here. Um, one of the other unique things that I, uh, again, had heard about but hadn't seen it done was those that really maximize the use of product they bring in the door, and specifically in the way they'll trim up briskets to uh, maybe address some of the size consistency uh, component before they throw them on the smoker, but then turn around and take that into sauces. And uh, not just trying to essentially take scrap trimmings and make it better, but take high quality product and make it into another high quality product just in the form of a sausage. Well, and we're seeing uh, uh, at the media dinner last night, there was this opening from Larder where they actually took that big piece of deckle fat and they salted it, and then they they um, put koji on it, and actually aged it almost like a like a um, like a lardo. And so that's that's blown my mind. I, I at midnight last night I was sending uh, uh, the chef uh, a bunch of uh, Jeremy. I was sending him messages just saying I still am thinking about this because I know so many people complain about you know what do we do with this? What do we we can render it to tallow? We can make sausage, but. That's a that's a way to turn something that's worth almost nothing into you know ten dollars an ounce or whatever you really want to charge because it's so unique. Right. Uh, are you all seeing uh, on different ends of people just kind of taking the things that uh, the price of brisket I I, I I see is going up. The price of barbacoa beef chi uh, these these other cuts. Uh, you had a, what was the term you had for them? Or was that some someone had a term for brisket? No. <laughs> They called it a. I tried to call it a dog cut. Dog cut. Some of these things, some of these things that don't, that that were weren't considered valuable, the prices of them are going up now. Is that demand or is just the price of all the beef kind of trending upwards? I think the answer is yes. Yes, 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 yes. No, I think it is the absolutely demand for beef as a whole. I don't know, Sarah, you work with the chefs a lot more closely. The the desire for variety, something new, something different. Um, it's amazing how uh, you know, we could go through the entire list of cuts off the carcass, and there's probably not a single one today that doesn't have somebody that's championing that cut, whether it be uh, the, old, the butcher's cut, the hanger steak yeah. um, today that uh, can be a challenge to find. Uh, yeah, there's not point. much hanger steak on, on a sure. on cut. To, uh, to even shanks. Uh, now we've had you know, some of our culinary team back in Ohio have done some some really interesting things with <laughs> with whole beef shank, bone-in beef shank, where they've uh, whether it be smoking them or uh, splitting them on the saw and uh, doing all like sorts straight, of like the bone in half. Yeah, correct. Wow. wow. And, uh, and doing all sorts of different. So you're getting uh, like a roast and the marrow bone kind correct. of. Correct. Right. Wow. I really need to go to this test kitchen. <laughs> It's uh, 
without question, the best place to eat in town, for sure. <laughs> now, speaking of, you all get to travel. You all are going to restaurants or retailers. Uh, you probably eat pretty well when you go to these places, too. Or do you have any highlights to kind of different things that people are trying throughout the country? We all look to Sarah because she <laughs> yeah, probably gets she, to go to the, yeah. the most high-end places. Uh-huh. I'm going to get the most spoiled. It's um, a tough question. That is a tough question. <laughs> you can just give examples. But I, there doesn't need to be like a top or anything. No, I think, I mean, some of the highlights, honestly, is when you just go to a steakhouse. Like I think of like a, a Three Forks in Dallas. I was just there, and they do a phenomenal job with um, just that whole experience and a certified Angus beef brand prime dry aged product, right? So that's your very, very classic steakhouse meal that they, I mean, they just, it's phenomenal. But then the flip side is you can go to places like Jeremy, you're talking about, it's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe the labor of love and what you're creating. This is just an incredible eating experience on something that's a much more casual item. And I think it's cool to be able to just see both of those um, and get to just see how people and see how these chefs take a product and really make it their own, right? You're going to have your core staples out there, but I think we're living in a time where people are being extremely innovative on how they're cutting, cooking, and presenting an item, regardless of where on the carcass it may be coming from, which is, is pretty fun. Um, and, I mean, it's just a very artistic craft. Um, certainly, I'm thankful to be able to enjoy it, but I, you know, it's a testament to the, I think, the quality of skills that we see out there in the industry today. Well, and, and there's there's this whole movement to, you know, maybe not maybe not a large piece, but people doing a little butchering at home. Mm-hmm. People are doing a little aging at home. Uh, there's a there's a million YouTube videos you can find where you get a an old like college fridge and you drill a hole in it and you put a little fan and and you can make your own dry aged steak. It's not really the the cost of entry isn't bad. We were talking about Jess Prowse earlier. She has a bunch of information on how to make a, a dry aged steak or a big dry aged piece. Uh, are you seeing as a as a trend? Are you seeing people kind of from the retail end to uh, are people looking for something that they can age, something they can kind of be more culinary with, or are people still kind of looking for the easy, you know, steak, prepackaged, stuff like that? Again, I think the answer is yes. <laughs> but uh, The demand but, for beef is high. Exactly. But, but no, it's, it's the reality of it and, and the fact that uh, we continue to offer customers more and more choices. <coughs> and so, I mean, I think today, as, as Sarah mentioned, you know, the, it's just a, an amazing world that we currently live in, and the fact that folks want to know more and more about the product they're having, whether it's, you know, where did it come from, you know, the locality, you know, the fact that Certified Angus Beef supports family farmers. I mean, it really resonates with people. And, and again, an educated customer is willing to try just about anything. Um, teach me a little bit, and I, I'm willing to, to run with that. And so, uh, whether it's, uh, hey, I want to know a little bit more about dry aging, obviously that's gaining in popularity. And, you know, it used to just be up in uh, New York City. Um, today we have uh, retailers across the Midwest putting dry aging coolers in. Um, St. Louis, uh, the Schnooks Market, Giant Eagle in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, um, that have challenges keeping that thing stocked because of the amount of demand that's in there. Um, 
counter to that is again, folks are looking for things that maybe might be a little bit quicker and easier, maybe utilizing our ground beef program and, and just still looking for that great eating experience, maybe at a, a little bit lower price point, but still it's gonna deliver something and a, and a great flavor and, and juiciness and so on. And so um, again, that's uh, the, the trends are there on both ends of the gamut. Uh, but I think uh, as long as we're translating to that customer the value of this product and, and really the pride that takes place not only at, at the uh, producer level but all the way through the, the, uh, the chain and I think you mentioned it earlier about this conference and what makes it special is that I don't know of many places or many brands in general that can connect this many demographics. I mean, you can have a chef sitting next to a farmer uh, that truly produces a product. You have a packer sitting next to a retailer. You just, the, all these different dynamics and everyone that touches this product along the way, um, you know, gets to come here and enjoy, you know, who we are as a brand. And it's not just one single farm, it's not just one single person, it's all of us that continue to ultimately promote high quality Angus cattle. Well, let's talk about that too. I mean, the people are really, you know, y'all y'all have a great job because all you're really doing is helping great people create great products and getting those products, you know, off the farm, through the process, and, and onto someone's table. Uh, you'll have some favorite stories of farmers, people you meet. I mean, the, the amount of uh, just fun characters at this event is is really it, it, it's hard it, it's hard to put into perspective because y'all y'all took over the hotel. There's a there's a certified Angus beef logo projected on all the walls. You know there's giant ballrooms with TVs and every break there's some sort of awesome little bite of food. Uh, so much work goes into this. So much thought goes into it. Um, you know, what are, who are your favorite people that you run into or, or just some fun stories of, of, of your travels? Well, <laughs> there's probably too many favorite people to, to start yeah. naming names. Uh -huh. but, uh, but I do think one of the other components that, as we talk about this conference in particular, not just the mix, but uh, uh, really it is a celebration. And as we go through, I don't know what the count is, um, uh, but the awards and the recognition that are given throughout this conference, both in things that are as simple as most pounds sold, um, but then also their efforts in marketing, their passion and innovation from a culinary standpoint, like what Sarah was touched on, even with Jeremy, um, would have been recognized in that regard as well. Yeah, he, he got a, uh, a, a brand. Yeah, That's absolutely. a pretty cool thing to give people, give them a certified Angus brand. Like, like I, I'm talking about a brand you brand a cow with, like, yeah. heat it up. I mean, obviously they're not going to use it, but it's a cool... Item. I don't know how obvious that is. <laughs> it's still mounted to display, so hopefully it is obvious. <laughs> but, uh, but it is fun to, to, to bring these folks in because while you know, we have some of the greatest jobs working for the brand specifically, we're really in the background and, and playing a supporting role to those that are doing the heavy lifting, whether it's the packers getting product in a box, uh, the chefs that are you know running their operations, the retailers that are that are running their operations as well. Uh, we're just here to make them successful, and so it's fun to see. Uh, you know, Sarah touched on the the branding that can take place at the restaurant level, um, and those are things that we can support them with. But what is really cool to see is when the restaurateur or the operator takes it and runs with it themselves. You know, we could throw you know some some dollars or some efforts, some photography, whatever it may be, to support them, and it would pale into comparison to what they have in mind to do on their own because of the excitement they have for the brand. And same thing at retail. 
um, whether it be advertising in the meat case or, or layering the brand into their commercials or promotions they may do in their marketplaces and things like that. Um, it's always a good refresher to see just how much passion, you know, we think we're excited as employees, but, but oftentimes that's nothing compared to what those that are out there. And the same thing goes for the producers. Um, you know, when they're producing these cattle and, and when they come in and see what, what the distribution channels and, and retail and food service uh, are, are putting into the program and, and how excited they get, it's really humbling for all of us. I don't know if I have any real fun stories to share, but to me, especially this conference, um, you know, the, the chefs that are here, a lot of them own their own restaurants. And I know a lot of your listeners do the same or they're pit masters that <coughs> own their own um, businesses. Same thing with the ranching families out there, right? They're independent entrepreneurs. And we all know what that takes, passion, sacrifice. A lot of time it's family involvement. And so I like to, you know, remind the restaurateurs that I run into, like, you have more in common with today's rancher than you think, and then vice versa. But it is very humbling when you'll go meet a ranching family and they'll say, well, be sure to tell all those restaurants, thank you for selling our product. And then you go and talk to a chef or a restaurant owner, and they say, you know, be sure to tell all those ranchers, thank you for raising this product. You know, they're both so appreciative on either end. Uh, probably one of my favorite quotes from a chef is, hey, you do all the hard work, and I just try not to screw it up in the last 10 minutes. And so that, you know, kind of resonates. Yeah, Yeah, uh, Chef Tony likes to say, it takes two years to raise it and two minutes to screw it up. Absolutely. No pressure. Yeah. Well, and where I come from, it's 16 hours. It's Mm -hmm. it's a long day, and that's, you know, the cook by itself is 12 to 16 hours, so there's a trim, there's seasoning, there's... There's a full day of work that goes in before you can even cut the thing up. And, uh, and I think that it's great to connect with y'all because I think the people that are listening and the people that love Texas barbecue are really honoring uh, what y'all do and how hard you work. I mean, y- y'all move, between the three of you, you probably help with most of the billion plus pounds of beef. That, that's the number I heard earlier, right? A billion pounds? Yeah, it's a good workout. Yeah. <laughs> One 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 uh, one pound at a time, I guess. You're sure. just moving it. Sure. Uh, and again, I think the the fortunate thing about what we get to do is ultimately working with the people. And so, you know, while we may lead a few efforts along the way, it is uh, it's not the three of us. It's all the people. And the fact that, you know, as Sarah mentioned, the the pride that's taken place, and the fact that many of our licensees don't see this as as our brand, but it's their brand. It is their brand, it stands for quality, it is who they are as a, an entity, it is who they are as a person in some instances. We mentioned that branding line. There's a number of folks that uh, maybe they didn't get a brand, but they maybe got a tattoo somewhere along the line. There, I've seen a few I've seen a few. tattoos. Absolutely. So uh, uh, again, it just shows the amount of pride, and that's, that's what's truly infectious about this, is first off, knowing that what we're doing is really having a big impact exactly where everybody wants it to. All along the lines, you know, up the chain, down the chain, everybody is hopefully getting just a little bit more for doing a little bit more. You know, ultimately, if we keep doing the same things, we're going to get what we've always got. Folks are willing to take just a little bit further down another step and, and again, commit to quality, uh, whether you're a feeder, whether you're the uh, retailer, ultimately getting rewarded for that. And, and just the amount of pride that you see 
uh, all the way through the channels. Um, it, it's truthfully, it, it's very humbling to just be a little part of that along the way. And the fact that we get to work with such great people every single day, that's what makes everybody in Worcester, Ohio, get up in the morning and, and be pretty excited to put, uh, put a pair of shoes on and go to work. Well, I'm, I'm sure you all sleep pretty well at night, too. <laughs> Eat well, sleep well, all those things. Well, one of the questions I always ask on the show is, you know, to the enthusiast, to the, to the restaurant owner, to the retailer, to, to anyone who's looking to, whether they're looking to get into the business, whether they're looking to partner with you, what's your message to people that love Certified Angus Beef or they love what you all do and they want to get into it? There's, there's kids from Texas A&M who might want to have the same jobs as you uh, that listen. What, what's your message to, to, to the enthusiasts that people are excited about uh, the meat world? My message would be very simple. Uh, you know, uh, always go to the website and things like that, but reach out to us. Um, you know, you mentioned the, the, the students at A&M and so forth. I mean, we all three went through programs similar to that, um, so we know what it's like. Uh, try to, try to uh, push any intimidation factor that may be there. Push it to the back. Give us a ring, shoot us an email, whatever it is. Um, can't say that we're going to be able to, you know, respond immediately on some of those things, but would be happy to have any of those conversations and answer any questions, uh, whether it be about from a career standpoint, those are always uh, those are always fun ones to have. The older we get, the more the more of them we have, it seems like. Um, but uh, but then also from, from a product standpoint, from a brand standpoint, from an industry standpoint, whatever it may be, we know a few things, but we also work with a team of about 150 people that know a lot together. And so, uh, and even if that team isn't able, we have partners literally all over the world. And so, at a bare minimum, we would be able to get folks connected that, uh, whether it's a cooking technique or whatever the question or the subject matter may be, um, that I think the network that uh, we've been talking about here the last couple of minutes that revolve around this brand could absolutely uh, not only be able to help with, but would be willing to be engaged on. I would echo a lot of Clint's comments, but if you're excited about the beef industry, um, you know whether you're a restaurateur, a pit master, an everyday <coughs> consumer, or like some, you know, maybe some students that are listening in, I mean, just being able to dive in to you know just gather what you can from a fact standpoint. I guess I would also tell those folks to be. Uh, aware of where they're getting their information from too and making sure they're going to places that are really talking about facts and may have a more unbiased opinion than you, know, you see all the things socially that um, may be a little altered in the, the fact area. And so being cautious about where you're going about your information, but also, you know, we're pretty excited about high quality beef right here. And like Clint said, there's a lot of people on our team and we've got a lot of partners globally that are excited about it as well. And so, yeah, if we can help connect those dots, um, it just moves us forward as an industry. Hashtag altered facts. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> well, and you do see this misinformation. You see people talking about fake meat taking over the world while beef is bigger than it's ever been. Uh, it, it's really interesting to see kind of the clickbaity, altered facts, whatever you want to call them. That it, you know, it gets it gets your website views, and it, that, it's all fun. But in the end, there's people working really hard to bring high quality meat, and, and the magic. You know, we've talked about it on the last few episodes. 
magic of turning something that we could never eat into something delicious is, you know, it's like alchemy. It's, you don't really understand it. These cows are magical, right? <laughs> Absolutely. So, uh, David, you know, what's your message to people out there who are into it, who maybe a small retailer looking to get uh, linked up with Cab? Yeah. Well, certainly, uh, you know, I echo again uh, Sarah and, and Clint's comments there, especially relative to students and so on. I think this is an industry that is certainly um, continuing to move forward and at an incredible pace, uh, and one that um, I don't think that always students know of all the opportunities that exist within the industry. That you know, I'll be honest. When I was in college, you know, the the thought of going working at a grocery store was kind of who would want to do such a thing. The more you learn, the more you realize this is a fantastic career and can have a ton of application and can bring you just a tremendous amount of success throughout your life. And frankly, we need more. We don't have enough meat personnel, whether it's a food service, whether it's retail packers, anybody that has a, a passion for agriculture, a passion for anything that has to do with meat, there, there's a, the industry is looking for you. Um, just come find it. Uh, relative to a, a retailer and so on, you know, we, um, we continue to strive to find folks that are quality-minded and looking to uh, continue to offer their customers you know, high-end high products. Um, give us a ring. We're definitely interested. Um, you know, we always, uh, always enjoy chatting with folks and seeing if what, uh, what our program can offer offers them what they're looking for in a meat case. And so um, give us a ring and uh, certainly love to hear from them. Well, I know, I know there's a lot to do tonight. I appreciate you all taking the time. Uh, I've really gotten so much information from y'all, from the previous guests, and uh, it's great to see the brand. It's great to see... I have yet to see a worried face at this event, and it's, it's just it's fun to celebrate with y'all because I'm kind of the newcomer. I'm, a, I'm, I'm the big dummy who gets to ask all the questions, and, uh, and I'm really thankful. So I appreciate y'all being on the show, and uh, I, I hope you enjoy the awards and the auction tonight. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Hey,